Bases loaded and one out. Oh, oh my God. Deep to right field. Way up there and way out of here. Second deck walk off home run. Grand slash. Hello and welcome in everybody to another episode of Bases Loaded. Bases Loaded is a fantasy baseball podcast and I'm your host Mike Curland. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike underscore Curland and tonight I'm joined by Mike. You, can fo- uh, you guys better know, know him better as SP Streamer. You can follow him on Twitter at SP Streamer and we are actually very fortunate and lucky enough to be joined by Alex Fast of Pitcher List. You can follow Alex on Twitter at AlexFast8. That's Alex Fast with the number eight at the end. Alex, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. You guys, thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. It's it's uh, it's nice to be here. You and I have talked off and on for it seemed over a year, I think, at this point, right? Uh, you said about a year, um, maybe a year. I mean, I think it's like saw- April. No, no, no. It looks like April in a year of baseball. We'll say. Yeah, one full season. And I, well, that's the thing. I actually started doing this, and then I joined Twitter, and it's just been mm-hmm. like I realized Twitter's just been kind of the way to go about this, and it's been a fun experience. My first year. How long have you been actually? doing this as a whole though like when did you start oh man that's a good question um probably <laughs> like like diving deeper into like fantasy baseball probably man i was this is before grad school so probably like 2013 2014 i want to say Jeez, and wow. did you did you just kind of fall into the whole pitcher list thing or did you like how did you get involved in all that let me hear a little bit about yeah, your story I'm, I'm actually kind of interested Sure. Yeah. Um, so I went to NYU for theater and I was an actor for 10 oh, years. Um, nice. And, Were you in anything we know of? Um, probably not. I did a bunch of like off-Broadway work. I did some uh, like commercial work, did like a Verizon commercial and stuff like that, oh, which ooh, is great. I'm going to find cool. it. I'm going to find it. Right. <laughs> sure. All right. Good, good luck. Good luck. Uh, and then one day I just, you know, I, I've always been a baseball fan and then someone invited me to do a, a fantasy baseball league. So I was like, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, then just kind of, you know, fell in love with it and then randomly just reached out to Nick. Uh, I saw a Reddit post that he had. So I reached out to him and I said, you know, I'd love to join if you have room. And he, he had been doing it for a little while by then, um, but he was definitely interested in growing. And I said, you know, do you have a podcast? And he said he was interested in starting one. And originally I was writing about um, like Tyler Glasnow before he was getting called up um, and, you know, his sort of struggles and writing a lot about pitching prospects. And then it just kind of built over over the years, which is kind of why I was excited when 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 you reached out to me because, um, you know, this is kind of what the community is all about, right? You know, just kind of like taking people who are interested in this. You know, Nick did that with me. As soon as I reached out to him, he you know kind of like embraced me with with an op- open arms, and I want to try and pay that forward as much as possible. And so that's why I'm you know excited to be here with you guys today. I mean, I know you got this podcast, which is growing every week, and that's super exciting stuff. Yeah, we trust me, man. I mean, I tell, I make sure I emphasize to everybody because we've been very fortunate with our guest list for the first year. I mean, we've had like we have you now. We've had Chamberlain. We've had Gray Albright. Like these mm-hmm. are guys that honestly, all you guys and you guys have been very, very kind. And I'm very surprised that it's been such a welcoming, you know, community as much as it's been. And it's just it's growing. And we've met a lot of guys as well in the process, and a lot of awesome people, man. You know, and. I've had a chance to be picked up by fan tracks because, you know, I applied for pitch list and never heard back, but I got picked up. I got picked up Damn by it, fan. Nick. I, I applied. I DM'd I DM'd I didn't DM you my application. I just, I did, I did um, apply to you guys the same time I applied to fan tracks. And honestly it worked out. I'm not, I mean, I have no complaints. I mean, I would have loved mm-hmm. to work with you guys, but fan tracks has been great to me. Um, yeah. They're fantastic. It's been a great platform to be able to get, to be a part of and get my work out there. It's, it's run really well. So I can't complain, but I definitely, 
I'm not gonna lie. Like I said, I, I did put in for pitch list as well, and it just happened to work out that I got picked up by fan track. So it looks like I'm gonna have to have a little talking to it with <laughs> Nick, I guess, later on. <laughs> hey, but, but, but for real though, you you guys really are you are you are doing it the right way though. And I, and like, listen, in 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 a year or in who knows, how, you know, it could be six months, you're gonna be doing the same thing where you're gonna be going on other people's podcasts and they're gonna be saying the exact same thing to you. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, I did get I'm, – I'm going to be going on what's called Open Bar Podcast, another podcast that's kind of just, you know, growing. We just did a live uh, mock draft with them. They're good people. I know uh, Mike's working on getting on there too. It's just – again, it's kind of the same thing I'm realizing, you know, that there are people reaching out to us trying to get us on their podcast. And it's like it's like awesome. I'm like, dude, please, yeah, I'd love to do it. And I, I see totally. why – and I see kind of why you're – you know, like you said, you're paying it forward. It's, it's just a – it's a great community as long as you're doing it right. And I feel yeah. like – all these people are you guys are it's been great so yeah it's good it weeds itself out you know it, it very quickly takes care of the guys who come in and say you know this player is the best and i don't care what anyone else says you know because there's there's not a lot of room for that in this community you have to understand that if you're getting into fantasy baseball analysis you've got to be a-okay with being wrong 70 percent of the time oh you know yeah I mean? like oh yeah and I'm sure we, we can you know i've been wrong about plenty and i've been right about a few things and that's great but like uh, when when I'm right about things, I try not to let it get to my head too much, and I just remind myself of all the other crap that I've been wrong about. <laughs> well, and but it's okay. It's okay to have a victory lap as long as it's like obvious that like again, it's all about being transparent. Like if you're gonna take a victory to, sure. like, victory lap, I like for instance, I know Bogman and the Welsh, they do like a podcast where they do wins and losses, and they're very open and upfront about. And most people. I've noticed in general are very open about their wins and losses. I mean, but there are people that obviously harp on the wins without being like so upfront about the losses. But man, I think the more, I think you learn more about what you were wrong about. Like I was wrong about Will Myers last year, big time, just for an example. Mm -hmm. And I tell people like, Hey, I missed on him. I might've hit on Josh Bell, but Will Myers like saying, like really hurt because he took way more draft equity. And it's almost like, did it really balance out? Not really with how Josh Bell finished. I'm going off on a tangent, but that's just an example of like, you just gotta be willing to take the lumps as well as like, be like humble when you take the wins as well like it's a it's a very very you know yeah well you know what what i kind of try to remind people when when i'm on podcasts or when i write an article is like listen i'm not here to make your decisions for you i firmly Mm -hmm. believe that i'm here to present you with all the evidence that i study that helps lead me to particular ways that i feel and i really don't want people reading me or listening to me and being like okay i'm 100 percent convinced i want them to be able to analyze it themselves and let me know if they agree and that's great or disagree and tell me why so then i can continue to learn you know what i mean yeah, and that's that's the thing, and it's it's been great. That's why we talked about it a little bit off air, but I'm doing it, doing it, uh, Mike. You know, I'm doing it. Olsen over Alonzo. Oh <laughs> Every podcast I bring it up. Every time I have a chance, I bring it up, and it's just funny because, well, you know, we talked about it a little bit. Mike is a Mets fan. Our other co-host Zach is actually a Mets fan as well, and it's I think a lot of their fandom gets in the way. But if you look at if you just as the ba- a very basic at a very basic level, you look at steamer projections, they are identical. I'm not exaggerating. They're pretty much identical, just at a basic level of if you're just a projections guy. And obviously the the draft equities is a huge difference in like which one you'll end up with. But I legitimately, and I and we talk again, we talk about just I put a little bit of reasoning behind it, and I legitimately believe Olsen will finish the season better than Alonzo. And I'm not saying we have to get into that, but it goes back into like at least giving reasoning. And if I I've gotten feedback as to why I'm wrong, and I've kind of taken that and thought about it, but I just I'm not getting off that hill. That's all. No, I mean, I think it's totally interesting. I mean, if you look at their batted ball, batted ball profiles, both of them are like upper 90% in hard hit rate. Actually, Matt Olson has a better hard hit rate than Pete Alonso does. He's in the 98th percentile. Pete Alonso is in the 71st percentile. 
Matt Olson also has a better ex-woba, is a better ex-slugging, mm-hmm. and he's going 50 picks deeper in the most recent NFBC ADP. So listen, if, if, if the difference is 50 picks and maybe you're getting five to seven fewer home runs, I just don't think that's necessarily that crazy. And probably a better batting average. But we talked about it a little bit. I don't want to harp on it. We can kind of – and Mike hasn't had – I'm not even going to chime in here. <laughs> <laughs> we, we argued for legitimately, I'd say, seven or so minutes on our first base preview about it. And Sure. So we're not going to harp on it too much tonight. But not, not the ADP position, but just no. who's better overall. Who's better That's overall, all, yeah. Because yeah. I fully agree with taking Olsen where he is. It's great value and not taking sure. Alonzo, but yeah. I overall still, i think olsen's <laughs> gonna have the better overall season and I'm, that's my one bold take all right let's move right. on <laughs> this is episode 50 this is episode 56 and we're just gonna talk all things fancy baseball with you alex and sure. um let's just jump right into the news which i had pulled up and then i lost it i'll go back to our tweet here it is so news and notes in general we're um there's just been, it's all first off how awesome has this offseason been compared to last year <laughs> oh god yeah it's, it's been great i feel spoiled yeah, night and day difference. And there's like apparently uh Mad Bum's gonna be signing up up like right before the next winter meetings, apparently. That's the hot rumor now. Oh nice. But before we get to that, I mean let's just talk about today's signings in general. Cole Hamels to the Braves on a one year eighteen million dollar deal. What do you guys you guys are pitcher guys, probably first and foremost. I'll let you guys handle this one and the and the next couple actually. But <laughs> as far as well, they're all pitcher stuff basically. <laughs> Cole Hamels I am just anti-Cole Hamels at this point for fantasy purposes, but what do you guys think? Up, down, the same as far as last year? Uh, whoever wants to start. Uh, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Take it away, Mike. Um, yeah, I don't think it – it doesn't change much for me. I mean, maybe win potential, but I think he's – I think they they got him because he brings that veteran presence. He's been a pretty durable pitcher, and um, I think he'll be a good anchor to, like, their young pitchers that they have there. I'm assuming they're – probably gonna maybe add one more person but um yeah i mean as to fancy value kind of with you mike i'm kind of over him and not this like this doesn't really do much for me yeah yeah i i kind of agree with you on that i mean i think it's it's a nice deal that kind of one year 18 million i know he said he was only interested in signing a one-year deal as well i mean you know when you think of cole hamels you obviously think of that 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 change up uh, and that changeup is still it's 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 really fantastic. I mean, um, he's like top five and like I think he was top three in expected batting average and top five in whiffs per swing. Um, so it, it really is a fantastic pitch for him. I'm curious to see uh, if they try and make it so he doesn't get through the third time through the order a little bit more because they have that beefed up bullpen now. You know, you could theoretically have him go five and then do O'Day and Martin Smith and then Melanson or, you know, somebody with Green or Luke Jackson. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't think I would necessarily be drafting him because I feel like where he's going to be falling in drafts, there are other upside guys around him that I would be a little bit more interested in taking. Um, yeah, I mean, like, Maybe theoretically, if you kind of wanted to like, if you took a lot of risks earlier on in your draft and you kind of wanted to anchor it a little bit more with something a little bit more certain, um, sure. But keep in mind, you know, he had 148 innings in 2017. Then he had 190 two years ago, but then just back to 141 last year. So it's like, I don't know. I'm curious to see how they're going to utilize him. Would you say his value is probably a little better in points leagues at this point versus Roto? And even so, like... 
uh, I don't know if I would take him to a 12 team. I just, uh, there's so much depth and upside at the end of drafts. It's like, do you take some, like you said, I know you, if you say you, t- you took some risks to anchor your both your uh, starting rotation, but as far as fantasy goes, I mean, he's 12 team relevant, I guess, but I don't really, I'm just not excited about it. I'd rather take the upside shot on like a Dylan Cease later, you know, because you have Dylan Cease, McKay, those guys. And I'd rather swing for the fences every time in a shot, especially the shallower of the league. He's probably more, I'd say he's probably better for the anchoring part and like your 15 teamers and such. At least that's what I would think. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. I, I agree. In a 15-teamer, yeah, Cole Hamels is definitely going to be rostered. In a 12-teamer, you can. I mean, when it comes to points leagues, I think it's, it's depending on how it's valued. I mean, like, maybe if it's, you know, he's not necessarily going to light it up with the Ks. He had a nine-point, uh, like, a, around a nine K per nine last year with mm-hmm. just well, like a 23% K rate, which, which isn't terrible. So he's not going to really, like, light it up for you in terms of the uh, – in terms of the Ks, the swinging strike rate went down to 11.8% last year, which I believe is near a career low. It's like about near a career low for him. So I don't think he's going to get you a lot of Ks. If that points league like very much values um, wins, then yeah, he should be able to pick starts. up a good amount of wins. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I mean, I think maybe at the end, but yeah, like I said, you'll, you'll probably find better uh, upside later on. Like I would actually probably prefer Justice Sheffield over him because there's a little bit more upside yeah. there. Uh, but yeah, that's just me. Well, speaking of upside, I'm, I, I can't believe this is a, like a thing again. The hype train's already starting, but Dylan Bundy <laughs> was traded to the Angels, and I just I can't yeah. do it. I, I, my heart can't take it anymore, man. <laughs> no, yeah, that's and, and people. There are so many things in life to be excited about, and Dylan Bundy is not one of them. Um, well, actually, I take that back a little bit. That's me being a little bit cruel. His slider is is, yeah, is yeah, it's, yeah, it's a top slider. So it's yeah, it's a top slider. I mean, would you, it's the, would you call it, it, is, it a would you call it a money pitch? <laughs> That's a very good question. What do, uh, so for those who are listening who may not be aware, a money pitch is a term uh, that Nick Pollock came up with over at PitcherList, which is a pitch that has a over forty percent O swing, over forty percent zone rate, and then we said like a fifteen percent swinging strike rate or better, but that kind of varies on a pitch by pitch basis. Um, so last year, I would be surprised if it was a money pitch. Oh, it was. It very much was. I didn't think it was going to have the zone rate. Had a forty-two percent O swing, a forty-one percent zone rate 22 percent swinging strike rate the pitch is great the problem is for as good as that slider is that fastball is just so bad yeah and he leaves in the middle of the so zone bad. a lot too oh yeah and then it, not even just in the middle of the zone he leaves it at the middle of the zone at 91 miles an hour yeah <laughs> that's, I mean, not, he, that's batting practice yeah, yeah it, 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 it truly is i mean so um, one of the guys over at Pitch was Michael Ajetto wrote a, a great piece about him a couple of days ago before he got traded. Um, and he, I, I kind of agree with exactly what he said. I just want to see that slider usage go up. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to see it near Patrick Corbin levels. I want to see just it near say, Matthew like Boyd levels. Thing, yeah. Totally, you, because if you actually look at their, their face, their face, if you look at their faces, <laughs> they're very ugly. Uh, if you look at their fastballs, they're, they're actually not too dissimilar. Patrick Corbin doesn't have a great fastball, but he can make up with it with that fantastic slider. Same with Matthew Boyd. I think Matthew Boyd's slider is a little bit better. Same with Patrick Corbin's. But Dylan Bundy's is in that conversation. So if he can add a tick to that fastball and command it a little bit better and pair it with that slider – he, he, you know, he, he's got a better upside than, than some people think. Do you think the Angels have, like, the team philosophy to, like, let him do that and tell him to do that? So that's a great question. Um, I was looking at that today, and it, in the past two years, they are in the top 10% uh, – top 10 teams of slider usage. So oh. they do like to throw their sliders quite a bit. The one thing that gives me pause is they brought 
they didn't bring right field in, but they lowered the right yeah. field fence as opposed to where home runs can go, which benefits lefties. And he just gets demolished by lefties. Uh, his platoon splits against lefties are really, really bad. Um, now, obviously, he's going to be like a four or probably a five in that rotation, which is much better for the Angels. So I think from a team perspective, it's a nice move for them. He doesn't need to be the two, three that he was in Baltimore. Um, I can, I, I'd want to keep an eye on him in spring training. I don't know if I would take a risk in drafting him in 12 teamers. He's someone that like, I would really want to see what was happening in his first five starts to see what his pitch utilization looked like. If he was still hovering around like 25% with that slider usage, then I would be totally out. But if that's on the uptick and he's throwing it around like 28 or 30%, then yeah, I'm interested in Dylan Bunny. I honestly should have looked up his ADP and draft champions leagues, but I guarantee it'll jump up a hundred picks probably right now. Yeah, you're right. I got to pull it up here. He's at 360 right now. Oh, and I, be, that's Yeah, it'll be like three, it'll be like 280 ish probably, you know, like something crazy. You know? Yeah. Yeah, people are going to want to see if if it's worth it. They're going to have, yeah, I bet he's going to be like the last pick in the next like 15 drafts, you know? Probably. So we, yeah, okay. Uh, I forgot my news. I lost it again. I keep moving off. Zach, <laughs> the big, well, this Wheeler. is the big, and of course, it's the big signing. It's Zach Wheeler signs that five year, $118 million contract with the Phillies. I think it's more of a linear move. You gain a little more wins, and I think that's a better offense. Maybe actually, because the Mets the worst actually, park, though. That's the thing; it makes the the worst park kind of nullifies that. So it's like for fantasy purposes, I feel like it's a pretty linear move altogether. Um, yeah, I mean, ERA wise, I could see it. His projections with his ERA maybe going up a little bit, but um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, problem with him is I kind of feel like all of his pitches are good, but none of them are really good, and I just. You're the Mets, you're the Mets he, fan, though. <laughs> he's so hard to figure out. I know. And he's so frustrating to watch at times because it's just like he has these terrible first halves and the second halves, he's just a completely different pitcher. And it's just mm-hmm. like you don't know who the hell he is anymore. So, I mean, the, the, my, in my mind, just because I'm a Mets fan, I feel like everyone gets better when they leave the Mets, though. So yeah. I'm just already in my head, I'm thinking, yeah, he'll be an ace next year. <laughs> <laughs> Just because of that, though, not because of, you know, anything else. <laughs> yeah, of course. I feel the same way about the Orioles, for sure. <laughs> so what you're telling me is Bundy and, and Wheeler are going to be, like, huge draft profits, and you're, they're going to be, Oh, like yeah, they'll, they'll be, like, top, top 20 easily. <laughs> oh, yeah, Cy Young candidates, for sure. <laughs> Both yeah. of them, yeah. And then yeah, we're going to draft them. Buy, we're going to buy in, draft them, and then they're going to be busts the next year. It's great. It's a great process, and uh, oh, I love fantasy baseball. Um, what do you think, though, about Zach Wheeler? Do you think it's pretty linear? Do you like it? Low down. Um, it's it's a risk for sure. Uh, you know, when I found out that people were kind of what, what that's what the market was for him. You know, you've got to think, okay, maybe there's something that clubs are aware of that we're not, or maybe clubs mm-hmm. just think that they can fix him more than more than the Mets can. I, for <laughs> me personally, it, it's all about throwing that fastball up in the zone, really elevating that fastball right now. He's almost like Bundy. He leaves it over the heart of the plate a lot. Now he can get by with that because he can throw it at 98, 99 miles per hour and look silly with it, regardless of where he puts it. But if he can elevate that, then that's fantastic. Now I think, you know, stairs brought this up on one of his athletic podcasts, but like theoretically that's a skill that you can teach, but some guys just aren't able to do it consistently. They're not able to, 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 to kind of master that skill. What's kind of ironic is he already gets a majority of his whiffs up in the zone. Um, so he, he has success when he goes there. Um, 
but he just has difficulty getting it there. So I, I took a look just like I did with Bundy at how the Phillies are when it comes to sliders up in the zone. Um, and they, they don't really do it a lot. Um, now, Devin Fink today responded to that uh, by saying like, yeah, but that theoretically could be like a chicken and the egg situation. It's not like Nola is going to be doing that a lot, which is very true. It's a great point. I mean, like they just might have guys who don't want to throw up in the zone and, and that's not their philosophy. But like they're Arietta. like, like Arietta. yeah, he probably doesn't throw up in the zone either these days. So No, he just throws up on the mound. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> he, uh, so yeah, that like theoretically, hopefully, like there's I know there's a new staff there and they might be able to change some things around, but like that to me is the change. Um, so in terms of like drafting him, I wouldn't I wouldn't want him as my number two. I don't think I would want Wheeler as my number two. I don't think I'd feel comfortable with that. I think I would probably want him as a three. And if people are, I think he's going to get drafted pretty high because I think people are going to be excited on a shiny new team. Maybe he can figure it out. But yeah, I, I might be missing out on a lot of Wheeler shares this year. Although I am interested in owning him. Yeah, I know. He, I think he's. Um, I think he's definitely going to be a flashier name. But I think he's just another one that's going to gain a little helium with the Phillies with the Phillies uh, signing. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm with you. Just on sheer value i feel like it's gonna be tough to really get my hands on them because there's other guys I like in that area i gotta ask like you come up like like i've never honestly thought to look into team usage on single pitches where mm-hmm. exactly do you find that data that's pretty interesting that's not something it's all baseball savant is it savant yeah all savant i mean that it, it's the best website on there but it's also the trickiest website out yeah, there you know definitely. well i'm big on i'm big on using savant but i've honestly never thought to like i i love that you did this because i'm being honest i'm still obviously growing as an analyst and that is very interesting information to go look for now i'm going to be doing it myself and i just wanted to let people know where they can find it because that isn't a common maybe it's common to some people but at least it's never been something i've thought to look into but i'm also very big on offense so i look at team as far as like steel, like which teams have bigger steel philosophy and stuff like that. Sure. So maybe I, I look at the other side of the ball a lot and that's where I, so my, so I got to get better on the pitching side of things. So thank you for letting me know where you find that. Cause it's very, very intriguing to me. No. Oh yeah. It's, it's helpful. I mean, you know, it's good to, you know, I think, I don't know if uh, this might be spoiling it, but I know you wanted to talk about like analyzing pitches oh, pictures and, and how we, how we do that. Uh, yeah. You know, then I'm, I'm going to save that conversation for later. Cause I, th- I'll tie it back into this later. Well, it's perfect because honestly, we can just kind of brush through the rest of it anyway. Because a lot of this, those were like the three big, you know, pieces of news. I just thought it was very interesting because the White Sox were actually in on Wheeler. Yep. Technically, mm-hmm. technically offered him the higher deal, albeit not by that much. Yep. They are also apparently rumored to be on in on Mad Bum. They yep. obviously signed, um, uh, oh man, Grandall, and they're mm-hmm. apparently also in on Azuna and in pre preliminary talks with the Dodgers for Jock Peterson. The White Sox are so much fun right now. <laughs> yeah, totally. Good young I, lineup. I just think it's yep. very interesting. And, I mean, as a whole, it's great for baseball. I just wanted to make it – that was worth mentioning. Another couple of things worth mentioning, Yanks, the Yankees are in on Strasburg and Cole. Obviously, I just don't know. Do you think the Angels truly go all in on Cole? Because they, they said they will do whatever it takes. It's going to take a lot if the Yankees are actually going to go – it's like old Steinbrenner type of deal and just throw the money at them then you got to think the the angels would really have to pony up, but where do you think Cole ultimately lands? I, I, yeah, I thought immediately right after the postseason that he was going to go to, to the angels. Um, I, 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 I remember, I think him saying that he wanted to go back out West and like Mm -hmm. the, 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 
Wheeler signing is a perfect example of the mindset of baseball players nowadays. Uh, the, there are family elements. You know what I mean? There are convenience elements. He, he, did, he turned down more money with the White Sox, albeit $2 million, which is nothing to him. But yeah. he as, as, you know, ultimately turned it down, as you said, because his wife has family in New Jersey, and now they'll be closer to them. People, as fans, this is kind of like the sometimes when I – I don't really butt heads with any fan base, but like if I get frustrated with Yankee fans for the opinions that they have about them getting every free agent, it is a different time. You know, like the Yankees aren't going to go out and get anyone. <laughs> like they're not going to go out and just get someone like they did in the 90s and early 2000s. You know what I mean? And that's why I was kind of hesitant about Cole and Strasburg because I think they want to be out West. They, they, there are more important things to them, it seems, than like, oh, I'm going to win a World Series. They want the money and they want the conveniences of their family, it seems. Well, and they both have World Series. These, uh, you know, both of them have. Oh, yeah. Great now. point. Yeah, so it's even less incentive to take like they and they both made money at this point, not albeit not what they're about to make. They both made money. So I'm thinking that they might take the Yankees are going to have to really pony up like a they're like like they used to. Like they used to just go out and make sure that te- the player wanted to be there. Mm-hmm. They, I think they're going to have to really come up like five to ten million at least like more. Yeah. These guys are going to make Strasburg made his money. Cole probably Cole hasn't had that type of deal yet, but he's going to get it. So. What's what's a what's a what's a few million to be conveniently placed near home, be on a team that you know, like you said, is just convenient for them. I think I'm with you. I think the Padres get one of them, and I think I, I've been I've been on the idea of Cole going to the Angels as well. So yeah, I also think like not every player. We learned this with Sonny Gray last year, and it's something that's constantly reinforced. Every pitcher that I've had the opportunity and fortune to talk to has reiterated the fact that New York City is an insane market for players in terms of media. Right. Yeah. And some yeah. guys just don't want to deal with that. Strasburg, like, oh, like at the end, when he was being interviewed on, 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 on the, uh, like on the field after winning the world series, his like daughter was wrapped around his leg and they were like, you won this brand new car. And he's like, Oh yeah. Uh, wow. Cool. You know, he's not like, he's <laughs> yeah. not like Mr. Big flashy New York city. Yeah. And I don't really, you know, Cole seems like he has a little bit more swagger, but like, I know that's why Granky had absolutely say, no interest Granky in coming here. To come to the Yankees, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So some guys just really don't want to deal with that. It's a real thing. Yeah, it's just and it's interesting. Now, real quick, I know it's a little bit of a tangent, but how do you guys tend to get all these like big name guests on your podcast and like do you just through networking? Nick's met a lot of people. I know Nick used to pitch and all that, and just Dude, just you just ask. Like, that's what I I do with you guys. Like, (laughs) yeah, exactly. It's crazy. I mean, like, I remember, like, I remember I made a GIF. uh, No, one day, like, Lucas Sims just followed me. And I was like, what? I couldn't believe it. And then, like, I I asked him, I I thought, I asked if it was cool if I asked him some questions about pitching. And he said it was cool. So I asked him a bunch of questions and asked if he wanted to come on the podcast. And and that was it. And then, same thing with David Cohn. Yeah. Are you serious? David Cohn followed me? What what is that? (laughs) So, are you kidding? It really is. That's how exactly how we feel still. Like when, like we'll see, me and Mike will sit here and text like, "Hey, this analyst followed us back. Holy crap!" And then, then of course we we started reaching out to you guys because just like you did with them, and it turns into you guys coming on and joining us. So it, I realized it was going to be that simple for them, but you know what? Now I need I need an athlete to follow me, man. That's hashtag goals. It's, <laughs> it's a wild feeling. I mean, like oh, I, I remember I'm, I'm doing this like little series on Twitter called like the fast pitch, which is like mm-hmm. focusing on particular pitches. And I made one about Jerry Blevins's curveball, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and he like 
uh, like retweeted it and then followed me. And I, like, I had no idea that, that he was going to do that. I wasn't, you know, looking yeah. for that. Did it but, like, these guys comment are... on something you did too? Oh yeah. That yeah, was, right. that's that, awesome. that like, <laughs> that blew my mind. I, I, I talked about his change up and he was like, I'm going to throw this more. Yeah, yeah, I, was I, like, yep. <laughs> I was like, I can't wait until like, you know, the article reads like Lance McCuller attributes career high ERA to increase changeup <laughs> usage. And I'm like, Oh great. That's awesome. I totally screwed that one up. Uh, but, that, but that's what I mean. Like these guys, like I am a nobody. These guys are nerds like us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when you, when you're talking about their pitches and when you're highlighting and keep in mind too, like these guys have like a thousand followers sometimes, which is insane to me. Yeah, Caleb Smith, yeah. Caleb Smith has like 2,500 followers. <laughs> yeah, I know that blows my mind. Crazy. It's crazy. It's like the, the, it's a, it's not like basketball where it's like those guys are all about social media yeah, and sure. you know what they're wearing that day. It's like these guys are just kind of figuring it out along with us. Anyway, that's my little yeah. mini tangent. Sorry. Well, no, it's interesting. <laughs> um, on our Instagram page, which we need to be more active on, we actually were fortunate enough to be followed back by um because we used to post like welcome to the show things and like you know just praise the players for like, a player of the night, just little sure. things like that. And we had Ronaldo Lopez. Uh, you know, like our stuff and follow us back. We've had Mark Vantos, I believe it was, or another minor leaguer of that sort, follow us back on Instagram. So we've messaged them that way, but they never got back to us. But we appreciate it. You know, nevertheless, it's kind of, it's just cool to show that they're kind of like human. It, it brings them down and like makes you realize that they are people too. Yeah, they're just, so. they're people who love baseball like we do. So as long as you're like, you know, respectful. not incessantly <laughs> DMing them and you're respectful, then like they'll, they'll respond or they won't. And that's, yeah, you know, it is what it is. Exactly. You put, you put yourself out there and if they don't respond, it is what it is. I mean, exactly. So we can move on from this and get right back into what you were talking about. <laughs> well, obviously it was a tangent, but we were talking about. Um, the White Sox, right? Yeah, the White Sox. But, you know, we talked, it was fun. It was interesting. Let's just get on from those notes and get to what people probably want to hear about. Some meat and potatoes of this podcast. We, I. <laughs> Well, it's true. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, people are like, wow, these guys are rambling. Um, <laughs> I just, well, because you mentioned, well, because you wanted to get into it, and I could tell you seemed a little eager. So let's just jump into one of the topics tonight is um, your process and strategy when attacking and evaluating pitchers as a whole or players as a whole. And you were kind of going to, you wanted to get into that. So let's just get right into it and circle back to that. Yeah, I mean, I, uh, you know, uh, I was just going to say, you know, you brought up looking at how organizations utilize different pitch types. And I think one of the things that we kind of overlook um, when we're analyzing pitchers is what their arsenal is comprised of and how they do with that arsenal. Um, you know, you can take a look at Chris Paddock, right? And you can take a look at his numbers and you can be really excited about those numbers, um, but they don't really provide you with too much context, right? You can see that he's got, you know, like that low three ERA. You can see that he's got the high FIP at 3.95, you know, the, the kind of Sierra that's close to that. And that gives you a great overall piece to the puzzle, right? Uh, it gives you a nice context to start viewing things, but that doesn't tell you whatsoever what he's going to be next year, right? Yeah. I mean, ob- like obviously, yeah. like the three point, the, the disparity between ERA and FIP is uh, an indicator for sure, um, and the elevated Sierra is an indicator too. But if you take a little bit deeper, and then you look at his, you know, his four seamer and his changeup and his curveball, you know, you guys probably know this because you watch a lot of baseball, but you know that you know the four seam's fantastic, the changeup's fantastic. It's like both of those had like a near two hundred batting average against. Yeah. He's got those two pitches, but he doesn't have the third pitch yet that's really going to elevate him there. And that's what's so important to study, right? Like, what pitchers have these third pitches? Um, and are they going to be able to take step forwards of them? Are they plateauing? Now, 
Paddock is obviously super young. He's 23 years old. But if he's going to take a step forward, in my opinion, he's going to have to do it with that curveball. And that's totally possible for him. And that that brings me to another point, too. Like, what works for Paddock doesn't necessarily ring true for every pitcher. Matt Boyd is a two-pitch pitcher right now. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Slider. He's fastball slider. Yeah. Yeah. And that's it, right? I, all year, all I wanted him to do was throw a changeup. And that just wasn't a part of it. You know, it just, it, he just didn't really consider that. Patrick Corbin, another great example. He's predominantly a four-seam slider kind of guy. So those are the two things, in my opinion, as ways to get started. So One, does Glass now worry you a little bit too? Because he's two-pitch also. He is two-pitch, but he's almost a little bit different because of the way that he's utilized within the Rays organization, right? Because they're, nece- they're not going to necessarily let him go through that third time the order all the right. time. So with those two pitches, he's going to be able to, you know, get by. Um, get by. And also what's crazy about him is he's so tall and lanky that that fastball is almost impossible to hit because his release point and his extension that he gets with it right. adds to the perceived velocity of the pitch. So – What's crazy about him is like, you know, it's going to be a fastball. You know what I mean? You're just not, (laughs) it doesn't matter. You're just like not quick enough to hit the pitch. He had a 195 batting average against on that fastball last year. And he threw it 600 times. Like that's, you know, it's coming. It's an over 50% chance. It's amazing. And my guy is Brandon Woodruff this year. Go ahead, Love Mike. That. Sigh. Mike's gonna sigh. Mike <laughs> hates him over there, man. Why? Oh, oh, go on. I want to hear why you hate him. Not hate. No, I don't hate. hate him. No, no. I'm no, just no. higher I, on. I, I have. I literally. I don't hate him. 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 I just. I just. I, it's where his ADP seems to keep going up and up and up. And I kind of think he's only a two pitch pitcher. And like he just his fastballs are amazing. But I feel like I don't know. I just think his other pitches are kind of. It can't. It can't be that hard. Yet. It can't be that hard to develop a little bit. Again, remember you just – I feel like it's easier said than done, though, and until I see him develop another – He throws three other pitches. It's just a matter of can one of them be average. That's all I'm asking for is an average, (laughs) an average changeup or an average just third pitch because, again, it's not like like he has to develop a third pitch. He has them. It's a matter of him just developing that one a little better than the rest. I think it's possible. And then you have the two elite fastballs – maybe not elite, but two really, really above average fastballs are – like, why – I have him as a top 20 pitcher this year. I put him at 20th exactly, I believe. See, that's just why, like, I just won't risk taking a pitcher that high, you know, top 20 mm-hmm. when he's well, really yeah. only operating on, you know, I mean, you don't know if he's going to develop that third pitch, so I wouldn't take that risk. Yeah, well, let me ask you guys both the questions. I'd be interested to hear your thoughts on it. Do you, would you rather have a pitcher who has a subpar fastball and good breaking stuff or the inverse where they have a very good fastball and very subpar breaking stuff oh man and there's no right answer here no i prefer i would see i would prefer breaking i think i prefer the fastball (laughs) i think i think and it makes sense because of who the players were like although we both agree on snell but other than that like we do seem to like i like the i like players that have a a great command on that fastball that can just kind of put it wherever they want in the zone because Pitchers have to, uh, hitters have to really adapt to that and get ready for that. And if you could throw an off-speed pitch, just okay, that should be good enough to keep them off balance on those fastballs, especially if they're as good as they are for, say, Woodruff. You know, because he's mm-hmm. two of them, and they go different directions and all different things. It's it's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm just all about. It. I'm all about a really, really elite, like a really, really good fastball. I think it leaves, I think it leaves you a little more room for error on the breaking pitches. Whereas if your breaking pitches are off, and you have to rely rely on that fastball. You're in trouble as a breaking pitch pitcher. Just yeah, point. totally. I mean, 
No, no, no. I mean, there's, uh, this is something that Nick and I kind of talk about uh, frequently. I think I also lean more towards fastball because if you're behind in the count and you have something that you can paint with, it's going to help you so much. You know what I mean? It it gives you a little more leeway to get out of kind of like tight jams, you know, two, one or three, one counts and things like that. Um, And I do really love that about Brandon Woodruff. I kind of agree with both of you guys that like having him as what is he? He's currently the He's the 33rd pitcher off the board, which isn't terrible. I actually kind of like where he's going right okay. there. I'd be um, okay with that, yeah. Yeah, but I think that's – I just that's... don't think he's top 20 like my <laughs> my, 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 my ranking is very aggressive on him. But it's funny because I think DVR has him like top 15. Like DVR is also oh, really? a Brewers fan. But he's also a Brewers uh, fan. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I do love – his fastball is amazing, and I love where he can paint with it. And he – like I would love to see if he can kind of, um, you know, take a step forward with that slider a little bit because, you know, he's got like a 13% swing strike rate on it, which which is, you know, all right. The changeup is good. He's got near a 16% swing strike rate on that. Um, there are so many pieces there, but it's like, is he going to be able to put them all together? And right. I mean, if you look at – Is anyone going to be on offense? <laughs> yeah. <Besides> yeah. <laughs> If you well, yeah, I'm just looking at like if you look at some of just the basic you know underlying metrics. I mean, his X stats were were solid. You have his mm-hmm. um, you have his you know FIP, XFIP, and Sierra just pretty much in the same area as his actual ERA. So you're not look at a mid three ERA guy. I mean, that's realistic. And I think the K's can go up. I I mean, his chase rate and his swing strike rate just don't seem to correlate. Like he's he's, it's weird because I believe if I remember correctly, his swing strike rate was actually pretty good in comparison mm-hmm. to his. Uh, sorry, his uh chase rate was actually pretty good in comparison to his uh, sw- swinging strike rate. So I'm thinking one needs to correlate to the other. And I'm, I'm, I believe that the chase rate can correlate to a higher swinging strike rate. Assuming that again, if you just, I just think that there's a little, just a little tweak. And you said the changeup's kind of there. The slider's kind of there. If you spent the off season focusing on one of them, I just think that there's a chance for that next level. I'm not saying he's going to completely break out, but I'm really big on the breakout. I mean, and it's not like you haven't seen the growth. The, the, the chase rate and the swing strike rate actually improved last year as well. I'm sorry. The indicators actually all suggest, except for Sierra, all suggest that he was a better – he had he should have had a better ERA as well. So, I don't know. I'm, I think the next step is there. I think it's just one little tweak. One little tweak. A little pixie dust on top, man. Just a little something. <laughs> no, I, yeah, I, I don't necessarily, I don't, I mean, he, he's got a 3.6 Sierra. He's got a three point, was it like a 3.1, 3.01 FIP? That's fantastic. I mean, XFIP 3.36, you know, Sierra 3.6. Yeah. So. You know what's so funny? I actually don't ever look at XFIP. No? Yeah, it's, it's, it's just like, I don't, I, I think Nick put me off of it because I think what it, it's almost unfair. Like, because what does it do? It normalizes your, your home run rate, right? It brings yeah. your home run rate up to what, what it normally should be. And it's like, to me, every pitcher is so unique that to normalize them in that way just feels like it, it doesn't apply. You know what I, I mean? Kind like, of agree yeah. with that. Yeah. Right. It's like all of our yeah. pitching and anal- all of our pitching analysis is like, do. yeah. Yeah, like it's like this guy is unique to who he is. And you already have enough metrics and, you know, uh, home run per nine and home run per five ball to, 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 to kind of figure that out. So, yeah, I don't know why. I just kind of like, all right, maybe it's not for me anymore. No, I'm not saying that it's bad. I'm just saying that it's not for me. Yeah. I, th- I think this year it may apply a little better than most because of that bouncy ball we had. So it actually yeah. might be something worth, you know, considering a little more heavier this year compared to. That's a great point. That's a that's a very interesting point to think about to think uh, compare. Yeah, compare that is actually a really interesting point. Compare XFIP, like you have players like what, what like Verlander had a career high uh, home run per nine, even with his 
uh, Cy Young year. But then if you look mm-hmm. at his XFIP, his might be more of a in the care of what should have what you know you should have expected compared to his actual. Well, I have, honestly haven't looked at him as far as that deep. But I'm just saying like he's the type of guy that kind of stands out. Some like a lot of guys that maybe had career high home run per nines or career high home run rates in general. And then you look at their XFIP and it suggests like I know Chris Sale was another guy that kind of stands out in that aspect, and others that just got beat up by this ball and it makes you wonder how much correlation there would be to XFIP, you know, what to suggest maybe the XFIP is closer to what, to what you can think of going into next season. If the ball is less bouncy, because. So how do you guys, how are you guys going to draft them? Are you going to draft that the ball is the same or that it's reverted to the playoff uh, ball? I'm That's going the million dollar question. <laughs> if we knew, yeah, if only somebody knew that. <laughs> I am yeah. putting, I am putting more emphasis as far as taking pitchers that did well with that ball. I think if they pitch that well with that ball, they can only be better if the ball is like playoff baseball. So like a Brandon Woodruff who did really well, <laughs> who did very well with that ball in that ball, in that ballpark and has the underlying indicators that suggest that it was legit. I like him that much more with a less juicy ball. Yeah. Yeah. What about you? Yeah. I mean, I agree with Mike. I, I figured, wow, that's a we don't, and, uh, <laughs> we, we don't really uh sometimes i disagree just to disagree but okay. um <laughs> no sometimes i mean we don't really know what they're gonna do and just because we don't know unless they come out saying so i mean i feel like you kind of have to favor the pitchers who really suppress the home runs because with that ball i mean although i guess it is kind of where verlander still one is saw young but um yeah i mean <laughs> i would definitely favor the pitchers who you know i guess know how to suppress it and like Mike said I kind of pitched well with it already and um I would lean that way as well but overall, yeah I mean I'm, I'm, sorry go ahead go on no go, yeah. go ahead I was just gonna say as far as even on the off- offensive side of the ball like you have players you know that hit way more home runs than ever before and now it's like guys like Mercado I'm really anti-Mercado because you know he's the type of guy that never profiled to be a 15-20 home run guy and now he's going you know just outside the top 100 or just around that top 100 mark and you're taking him for the speed with a little bit of power, but I don't think that power is truly going to be there. I watched a lot of his home runs, wall scrapers, you know, those are going to be flyouts this year. And just like, yeah. I'm really, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm factoring in the ball being a little more like the playoff ball in my ranks. So I'm trying to take guys with true power earlier falling back. And like, I'm letting people like reach on some of these other guys, assuming that they are, their power speed combos and really they're just speed guys, which again, that's a whole nother discussion as far as like stolen base scarcity. But I think that's even being overblown. You're having, and this is another thing. If you have a guy that's, all it takes is one person to kind of make speed irrelevant in drafts. Because I was in a mock draft, and I didn't realize it until I looked at some of the uh, results that one guy kind of took most of, like, the, the speed guys or power speed guys. That made playing for second that much easier. All you needed was, like, a couple yeah. speeds. So it's like you have to really watch your draft and how it unfolds. If you have a guy – you can kind of zig and everyone's zagging and still compete or win the league. So that's a whole other draft strategy idea, but – Juice ball. We can get back to that. <laughs> what are your thoughts on it, though? What are you? What are you? I know you asked us, but what are you? Um, yeah, I mean, to me, it can't get worse, right? It can't. The, well, <laughs> it can't. It can't get sure? worse than it was last year. <laughs> I don't. I don't think it will. I mean, I, I. I. I personally believe that the ball is going to kind of go back to what it was in the playoffs. I mean, this is extreme conjecture, but the 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 league has a um, an interesting issue to deal with uh with the sign stealing and there's a lot of questions about the sanctity of the sport um and i think if you know i always thought it was ironic too that like 
the league was like, speed up pace of play, speed up pace of play, speed up pace of play. And then they were like, okay, well then let's have the event that takes longest, which is a home run and someone jogging around the bases. Right. Uh, it just always kind of cracked me up. Um, I'm, I'm kind of operating that Matt Boyd's home run to fly ball rate is not going to get higher. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm, I'm operating that we saw the floor for so many of these guys. Um, Cause I think you just kind of have to operate that way. I also very much agree that like there was a transition period where they were getting used to the seams. We saw a lot of guys really figure out the seams. We saw guys not figure it out. Like Masahiro Tanaka, he wasn't able to figure out that splitter. Thor um, through a slider. We, yeah, exactly. But then we also saw Jack Flaherty very much figure it out. Oh right? yeah. Okay, can I, can I so, stop you there before you continue? I'm sorry. Can you? T- what are your thoughts no, on Flaherty? Sure. What are your thoughts uh, on Flaherty? Because no, no, I'm asking because I think Mike Mike is a little skeptical. I'm kind of in the middle. I've come down on how high I was on him. I just want to see where you think. I know Pollock has him, I think, roughly 14th or 15th in his ranks. If I remember looking at his early ranks once upon a time. So where yeah, are you yeah, in your mind on him? Nick also does. Yeah, Nick has him 14th. Um, so – I have a weird history with Jack Flaherty. I, you know, like I said, I've had plenty of failures, but the first, the first not fail, I won't even call it a victory lap. The first not failure I had was an article that I wrote at the beginning of the 2018 season that said like, look out for Jack Flaherty. Um, Cause I was super excited about him. And I actually thought it was going to be his curveball that took strides forward instead of a slider, but it was really his slider that, you know, was so fantastic. Then at the beginning of 2019, I was out. I just thought that there were some underlying metrics with his fastball, which mm-hmm. did not indicate that he was going to be able to sustain that success. And the first half of the year, it looked like You're it was completely right. right. And then yeah. he had that historic run with the slider. Um, there is going to be so much helium for him. Um, and right now, did you, do you, you guys want to take a guess as to where he is in uh, the ADP right now? I just think for I pitchers. Saw it's ridiculous. Isn't it like six or seven? It is seven. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, that is, that's insane. That's insane to me. Right now, he's going over Steven Strasburg. Nope. He's going over Shane Bieber. Nope. He's going over Blake <laughs> Snell. Definitely um, not. He's, Absolutely yep. not. <laughs> he's going over Patrick Corbin. Uh, he's going over Chris Sale. That's nope. crazy. It, it, it's, it over is one absolute. half of baseball. Over one half of baseball. It's like no one learned from Herman Marquez. And obviously I understand those are, those are different pitchers. Those are different run yeah. environments. Those are totally different. But the, the point remains the same, that a larger sample size over the course of the year should always outweigh what a guy did in the second half. And also, right. if you look at that fastball again, he's got the sixth highest difference between his Woba and X Woba on that fastball in the Thank wrong you. direction. Yes. So it's going to regress. So listen, am I, do I have any problem with having Jack Flaherty as my number three pitcher? That is fine by me. That's great. But to have Jack Flaherty be the ace of your staff, which is where he is being drafted, is bananas. See, I, I told was, you, Mike. Well, and I'm okay. I, I'm, <laughs> and you talked me down on him in a good way. Yeah, like, I was like, yeah. I'm like, you're, you know what? You're right. Because I initially had him, I think seventh. Like I was like it's buying. I'm like, oh, this this guy is amazing. And I'm like, wait. Yeah. I, I, Mike talked to me about him. I, you know, we, you know, and. Like this is one of those where I recognized I was wrong, so I moved him down, mm-hmm. I think, 12th or 13th, and I have him right in that Corbin range because the upside's there, and Corbin's more of the steady Eddie. And I, it depends on how you want to build your team at that point for me. As far as Corbin goes, Sale, I keep fluctuating on, man. I know he just visited Dr. James Andrews. I guess we could have mentioned that, and he was sure. cleared to throw with no limitations, but I want to see that he's Chris Sale come spring training or I'm dropping him. I can't play this – Maybe he's gonna miss spring training. It start. I'm not doing that again because he's missed spring training. He started slow last year. 
showed a little bit of the velo back, and it's just been a mess. And I'm I'm not playing that game. I'm not taking him as a top ten starting pitcher if there's any type of setbacks or slow start to spring training. I'm not I'm not doing it. <laughs> yeah, what what kills me about Sale is you know we 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 have a stat uh, called CSW, which is called strikes plus whiffs over total pitches, mm-hmm. um, and he had the the third highest CSW even in that small sample size. Um, I was bit by Sale. He lost me a lot of leagues this past year. Um, and I remember those first five starts just being like, well, my world is over. <laughs> it's ended. Yeah. Like his velocity was like, you know, it's 90 down. miles an hour. Yeah, it was awful. I was like terrified. Um, so I completely uh, agree that like those injury concerns are, are, are terrible. But when he pitched after those first five starts, he was so able good. to just be – yeah, he was able to just be himself. So like, still he's had over be like a thirteen K per nine. Yeah. Oh I'm, yeah, he was. Yeah. I'm not still anti. Himself. I'm not anti sale at all. I just want to see the health. Because remember, you mentioned that slow start. If he goes to another mm-hmm. spring training without pitching it again, I'm oh, yeah. I, I, I'm not taking him because his price is his his price throughout the offseason is going to remain a top ten guy until proven otherwise. And for me, I'm just I'm not taking that risk when I for me I like Snell over him. I have Snell at seven in my ranks. I'm actually moving him at six. I'm actually moving him above Clevenger, and I have my own reservations about Clevenger, but I'm putting, mm-hmm. I'm putting, I actually moved him up to six recently. If I tell Mike about that, and I'd rather have Snell every day of the week over Sale, and I think their ADPs are relatively close, but I think, I think Sale falls a little bit. I don't recall to be honest, but you probably have it up in front of you. You mentioned, yeah, they're actually back to back at ten and eleven, and I'd rather have Snell every time. And why not? I mean, Snell. He was still Snell. He just got really unlucky last year, like probably the unluckiest pitcher in the league. Not to mention, injury. yeah, but you also. You also just said injury, though. So, right, why, why take Snell Why take Snell over Sale if you're both worried about injury, right? Isn't Snell just theoretically as much of an injury risk? I, I'm not saying – it's not the injury for me. It's the um, – I don't want – again, it comes down to – for me, it comes down to – well, I feel like Snell's were like – last year was what, the stoop the foot thing when he broke his foot with mm-hmm. doing a shower or something. And I'm not too concerned about Snell's injury or Sale's even. I'm just – I want to see Sale be healthy come spring training. That's my big thing about him right now. Sure. And, and right now with the ADP, they're back to back. But I think Snell should be by far the safer one. And Sale will move up literally to like six or seven in my ranks if I see that he's pumping out 95 plus. Because he doesn't have to throw 90, 98, 99. He can throw 95 plus. Give me 95, 94 with, with some control. And I'm all about him come spring training. But if he's pumping out 90 and, me, you know, meandering along, I'm, I'm, I'm done. Like, I'm just I'm oh, not yeah, doing no, that. Yeah. So that's, that's kind of right now he's kind of just I'm, I'm conservative with him. I have him like right at 10-ish. And I'm not really comfortable even taking him there just because he's been cleared to throw. That's still like, whereas, you know, Snell, there's no injury concerns coming into the year. Mine is sure. to say all has him coming into the year. I guess that's where I needed, needed to kind of really narrow it down and be more specific of my concerns. Because, like, I believe Sale is still Sale. It's just a matter of getting him on the field. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. And, and showing me he could do it come spring training. I just don't want to have to deal with six slow starts again. You know what I mean? Yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's that's all my concerns are. So I, I didn't mean to interrupt your initial thought. I honestly don't even remember where that initial thought was. <laughs> no idea. <laughs> I got Jack Flaherty. Story. They were talking about Jack Flaherty. Well, we were, but then you were well, – I, well, I brought up Jack Flaherty because you were in the middle of another thought. So I'm really good at this. <laughs> well, now oh, this is just Inception. Yeah, Why don't we move okay. on to CSW? Yeah, see, you mentioned oh, CSW. Yeah, CSW. Perfect. And a lot of people don't know. You created this whole metric. I want to hear everything. I want to know – I've read your article, but I want people that didn't read it. And I don't read Mike's article, so that's a whole other inside joke. But <laughs> – <laughs> I, sigh i read your articles these days mike just stop it um 
it just I actually really like that piece that you put out the the interesting facts that was really nice oh thank you <laughs> a little shout out there uh i just wanted to hear because i how you came up about it how you came about it how it's how effective it is and how how helpful it's been like is there a little bit of pros and cons to it just everything so let's get let's get into it though csw what is it let's start there Sure. So CSW is a, uh, I don't want to take too much credit. It's a metric created by Nick. Nick Nick originally created it. You know, the way that Nick and I's relationship works, and he would very much agree with this, is Nick comes up with an idea, uh, and then I get tortured by it, and I go down all these rabbit holes while Nick sleeps peacefully <laughs> at night. Um, so Nick, you know, Nick said, like, I wonder what happens if we start counting called strikes along with whiffs. And I was like, all right, and I guess I'm, you know, going to be in hell for the next three weeks just studying this. Um, and so what? We, so that's kind of what called uh, CSW is. It's called strikes plus whiffs over total pitches. What we really wanted to see is, you know, obviously you're analyzing pitchers. You're always going to talk about swinging strike rate. You're always going to talk about K rate, K per nine. You know, strikeouts are the big thing. But we just felt that people weren't really valuing called strikes the way that they really needed to be valued. Like a strike is a strike is a strike. And how, regardless of how it happens. And this was kind of the rabbit hole that we went down. Like, this is what I talked to Lucas Sims about and some other pitchers about like, do you care if you throw an OO pitch uh, and it barely gets fouled off? You know, like, do you care that the, the guy made contact? And almost every pitcher said, absolutely not. It got me a strike and I didn't get hurt from it. And it taught me about what they're doing in this at bat. Right now they changed their tune when it was Oh two and they kept, you know, getting foul balls. Obviously that was a little more frustrating to them, but a strike is a strike is a strike. We wanted to see if called strikes can provide value. And as we analyzed it, we found that it actually correlates really well to other ERA indicators, notably Sierra. So what does that mean? Obviously if you, you know, maybe you're listening and all you really care about is ERA, that's totally cool. There are other ERA indicators that we use like FIP, fielding independent pitching, um, and Sierra, which is another big one that we really like to go to, which uh, skills, skill interactive earned run average, which values strikeouts a little bit more. What we found in layman's terms essentially is that CSW called strikes plus whiffs correlates very well to skill interactive ERA or Sierra, meaning that it can be predictive, which is what got us really excited. Wow. You can look at CSW over the course of takes 10 starts about to stabilize and see how a uh, maybe a pitcher would theoretically get better or worse. Is it perfect? Does it work all the time? No. But like I said, it correlates very well. So ways that we would theoretically apply this, uh, and this is kind of like the, mo the, the questions that I got the most, was like, well, this guy had a high CSW, but he gave up six earned runs. I love to see that. Because it essentially means that he was doing his job. Maybe he just got unlucky. Maybe it was just one bad pitch that he gave up for a grand slam. Whatever it is, over the course of this, you know, over the course of his season, um, he's probably going to be doing fine. Uh, so this this is the CSW leaderboard at the end of the year. Garrett Cole, obviously great. Mm -hmm. um, when when a metric that you create spits out Garrett Cole as your leader, then you're onto something right yeah. mm -hmm. um max scherzer chris sale verlander snell clevenger who's the love of my life shane bieber <laughs> charlie morton lucas giolito and then oddly enough rounding out the top 10 is kenta maeda which is very fascinating um he's a little bit different because he might have had his numbers boosted a little bit coming in relief 10, yeah. um and then the, the one i want to get into is kind of most important 
who rounds out the top 10 if you exclude Kenta Maeda, is Aaron Nola. Um, he had a 32.3% CSW rate. A majority, a vast majority uh, of his CSW rate is comprised of called strikes, right? He had a 20.5% called strike rate and an 11.8% swinging strike rate, I believe. Um, that, you can kind of interpret that as you will, but to me, CSW says that that's not necessarily a bad thing. Um, there's a little more volatility there um, because obviously some umpires are going to call strikes a little bit differently. So a guy who's a little de- overly dependent on called strikes um, is going to be a little bit worrisome. Um, I remember I, I was running some analysis on this and I wanted to see what percentage of pitchers most heavily relied on called strikes uh, as a total percentage. Um, and Nola was up there, but like the guys who really relied on it were guys like Adam Wainwright, who I'm not very interested in, um, <laughs> Jake Arrieta, Zach Davies, Marco Gonzalez, Peter Lambert. Um, Lambert. Yeah, like, wow, those. What a name. Yeah, good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No one that you're really interested in. And the fact that Adam Wainwright was the leader, 71% of his CSW was based off of called strikes, which is a little bit scary. Um, now, on the other end, uh, the guys who are more reliant on swinging strike rate, uh, that's a great list that you want to be on. Blake Snell, Jacob deGrom, Luis Castillo. Surprise, Kevin Galsman. Very yeah. interesting. Oh, uh, yeah. That yeah, one. I think I remember seeing that. Yeah. Didn't, he get, didn't he get non-tendered too? Yeah. Yes. That one, very, that one kind of shocked me a little bit. I can't quit him. I just can't. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought the Reds were going to be the organization with Kyle Bodie to be able to figure him out in the offseason. Yeah. I was a little bit upset solely because I think they have so many great arms and I want to see Lucas Sims get his opportunities. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I was very shocked by that. Anyway, I just rambled for like 20 minutes. No, it seems it's like. Well, I have a question. So you, said it, cor- so you said it correlates well with Sierra, right? Yeah. Yeah. So would you go as far as to – I guess say someone has a high Sierra and you're a little skeptical and you look at their CSW and they have really good CSW. Could you think maybe the Sierra isn't completely accurate or you don't think it would like correlate that much? No, no, totally. I mean, yeah, I think it would kind of throw me further down the rabbit hole. Right. Okay. You know what I mean? Like, like that would be an indicator think- for you to dive into them. Exactly. That okay. would be like, okay, well then what's going on with this? And that's like gotcha. the thing that I'm constantly trying to relay. Like, I don't care what metric it is. It, 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 it doesn't exist in a vacuum. You know what I mean? Yeah, right. Like the, even war, right? War, fine. It's a catch-all metric. This guy had a three war. This guy had a negative one war. And they were like, this guy's a good player. This guy's a bad player. Like that to me is the biggest pratfall of analysis. So yeah. I'm glad you asked that question because it's a perfect example, right? It just makes you want to dive deeper. Right. Okay. And so now you, next year, um, I think, I don't remember if I've seen, seen it mentioned or not. Will you guys have this leaderboard up on Pitcherless? Uh, I think I can say this. Uh, yes, yes. We're, we're, yeah, I, I, I think I, I can I say hope, it. I remember I, I asked that uh, when uh, the Pitcherless Twitter account, I guess Nick runs it. He said mm-hmm. that um, there, I guess you guys are like revamping your website again. Or yeah, we're doing or whatever. We're doing 5.0, which launches in February, and I, I, right. I, he's probably going to get mad at me for saying what's going to be on there, but I know CSW will be a part of yeah. it. Yeah, well, I said, I said, I hope CSW leaderboard's on there, and he just liked it. He didn't comment, so I took it as 
probably going to be on there. Well, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Honestly, okay. I mean, if Paul, if Nick is listening to this, first off, we appreciate your work, and uh, <laughs> if you ever need anybody on the podcast, hit me up. Um, that's a shameless, <laughs> a totally shameless uh, plug. No, no, no. Yeah, love we it. Are, well, let's be honest. If Nick Pollock's listening to my podcast, I'm doing something right. So I appreciate <laughs> yes, that. Yes, totally. Yeah, he, he should. He will be. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, because you're on it, obviously. Um, we, uh, we, we, dude, we just appreciate it. It's awesome. And Nick does a great job. And Spore and all those guys, yeah. you guys are – Oh, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I heard you – I followed on... Nick for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know what? I love I think, his stuff. And I, every so often I interact with him. I mean, it's, it's cool. He's as, as, as busy as he is to find time to interact with oh, people. Oh, God. Is awesome. And that's the thing, too. I mean, you like, guys are all Nick busy, is going to – He's going to kill me for saying this, but like that man works his butt off. <laughs> he's well, yeah. gonna, I, I won't even say it anymore because he's going to yell at me. But yeah, he really does behind the scenes. Like just this is what he does all day, every day. Yeah, it's, it's just this is honestly just such a passion. It's such a fun thing to do, man. And But speaking of analytics as a whole, I love them. I'm still learning them and I'm still getting into them as much as anybody else. Do you think in mm-hmm. general there's just there's a thing as too much depending on them? Like, because there is still actual outcomes, and obviously we all we obviously we're trying to tell the future with these. I feel like in all these indicators, all these advanced stats play much better preseason going into a year, trying to find the sleepers. I mean, they still help out in in the middle of the year, but it's way harder to have the time to do it because you're so caught up with everything else in season. I'm just, I'm just wondering in general, do you guys, this isn't obviously a complete off the top of my head, but do you think there is a such, a such thing as just too being too much into the analytics? Uh, oh, totally. Listen, listen, I think uh, when, when, you know, the, the first 120 years of, of baseball, we were on one side of the spectrum, which is I test, I test, I test. And then over the past 10, 12 years, we have drastically shifted to the other end of that spectrum. And I firmly believe at one point it's going to go back to the middle. Um, you know, we we still believe uh, in some way in the eye test, not necessarily with prospects and what their builds look like and so forth and so on. We obviously love, you know, as much data as we can get our hands on, but like you've got to watch the games, <laughs> you know, you, yeah. you've got to yeah. see how a pitcher sequences, right? You, you've got to see how the uh, things under pressure. There was, there was a, um, a really interesting example uh, I don't remember who it was over the course of the year uh, where it was some pitcher and he was like in a high stress situation and the catcher or no, it wasn't even the catcher. He just kept throwing over to first base. And I don't even think he was being signaled to do it, but you could just tell he was rattled. Right. And everyone wanted him to calm down and he wanted himself to calm down. Um, and you learn things about pitchers in that way about their mental makeup that you're never going to be able to see in a stat sheet. You know what I mean? Um, about how they're going to be able to escape certain situations. I remember for me, it was like, Dylan Bundy would get ahead 0-2 or 1-2 all Full the time. Circle. And I'd be like, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. I'd be like, are you serious? And then he would give up a single or a double or a homer on 0-2. Yeah. And I'd be like, are you joking me? Now, obviously, that led me to the statistics, and that was able to verify that claim. And that's also another thing, right? Do I have some sort of recency bias? Or because I hate myself so much and I watch so much Orioles baseball, this just sticks out in my mind. Um, luckily, that wasn't the case. Uh, but I, I obviously do watch too much Orioles baseball and hate myself as a result of it. But it, it, those two hands can, can you know, one should shake the other. Or so, or I was saying, sometimes like, I like to th- – I like to think I try, I think something I, I'm good at is balancing the two because I like a big mm-hmm. thing for a big thing of mine that just yeah I like to look at underlying metrics I'm not as savvy as some guys 
and I can admit that, and that's fine. You don't. That's another thing. I find myself sometimes trying to compete with others, and there are others like Chamberlain. I will never be on that level. Like it's just he's oh, yeah. such a smart dude. Oh, he's a computer. He's a computer. Yeah, he's a, he's yes, a- and I'm okay with that because I feel like I do a really good job taking some of the real life aspects and i sometimes dumb it down as simple as like let's look at ground ball percentage let's look at let's just look at little things like that line drive rate oh oh there's a change in barrel percentage well oh there's also a change in his um launch launch angle like it's just little things like that like for pitchers my big thing i look at something as simple as let's look at velocity change oh like clevenger you you mentioned clevenger if you look at from when he got back from he came in last year you know with the intent of throwing hard well he got Mm -hmm. hurt I wonder, and then I, I look at, okay, when he came back, he was throwing 96, then he went down to 95, then down to 94. And if you look at it, it tapered off. As he tapered off in his velocity, his results also tapered off a little bit. They were still good, but they, were, they, sure. weren't, the, they weren't the elite numbers that he started off the year. So I'm wondering how much of that was fatigue, how much of that was maybe purposeful to avoid injury, re-injury, and how much of that are we going to see the increased velocity or back to the mid, the, you know, the 94 instead of the 96, 97 he was flashing at the beginning of the year. So that's why it's like I still have my questions and reservations about him, not because I don't think he's going to be great. I just don't think maybe – I think maybe he's closer to the second half where, again, it wasn't bad. And not, not in the second half, the final two months where the statistics weren't as great, but he also wasn't as electric with, his, like, some of his velo and such. So there's just stuff like that. I'm just – like, I go back to basics as far as that, and then I go look back – I'll take that. I'll take the velocity change. Okay, let's look at pitch usage. Oh, he's like Caleb Smith is a big one that stands out. First half, he wasn't throwing his fastball nearly as much. Second half, he might have gotten fatigued. You know, new oh, high in, well, new career high in innings, new career high, <laughs> new career high across the board and everything. His yeah. velo, his, I believe, his, I have to remember, I have to look it up again, but I believe his velo slightly dropped. But then you look at his, his, his uh, pitch usage, something as simple as that. He increased his fastball usage, and his fastball was getting crushed. And he just oh, kept throwing – so it's like he just it makes like stopped with that changeup too, didn't he? he that's, just like yeah, that's stopped. what I'm saying. I'm wondering how oh, much God. how much was it was he was he fighting injury? Was he just fatigued and was just throwing pitches of throat just to get through the innings? What, what was going on there? There was an injury in there, you know. It's like makes me wonder: should I buy back in? Was there something more to the first half one than there is the second half? Is there a happy middle? I think the I think the price is justified, and you're getting you're able to take the chance on him without paying any type of real equity putting any real equity into them so it's actually a good gamble to take but these are just little things i look at that aren't necessarily just analytics it's taking it and bringing it a little more simpler because it's like you i found some things that are intriguing but then what i do is i take these little things that are intriguing and i jump into the analytics so maybe there is maybe there is a little more i don't know there's a little more to it but i try to keep well, yeah, it no, but times. that's what you're right one hand shakes the other right and I, yeah. I think caleb smith's kind of a perfect example because i remember i was extremely high on caleb smith i love mm-hmm. caleb smith i was you know i got in a lot of com- fun conversations with justin Mason about him and i looked great in the first half and i looked like an <laughs> idiot in the second half <laughs> but he, he's a perfect example where I was like, okay, what's going on? And I watched a game and obviously, as you said, he had that increased fastball usage, but he just wasn't, he, he couldn't locate it. Right. Yeah. He was and just leaving as it a result. Just... Yeah. He, 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 he couldn't do anything with it. So then as a result, he didn't want to throw his changeup anymore, but you can look at pitch charts and see sort of like, okay, it looks like his fastball was off, but in, even in a, even in a heat map for a particular game, you can't see, that he was always getting behind an account because he couldn't mm-hmm. locate on, on his first pitch. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. And that's why it's important to watch the game. Yeah, definitely. definitely. And unfortunately, it's really hard to make time. Like, if you, like, I, Is there anything you would recommend for people who don't have the time? Is there maybe like, an, like if you have the, if you have the ticket, the, I don't have the MLB ticket or whatever, the package. Is there a way to watch games like in, in an express, like a, like a 30, like a 35, 40 minute condensed version of those games or? 
it takes that? a little it takes a little bit of work but what you can do is savant puts a video say, for every yeah, pitch baseball so if you yeah it's the best so the next day i think it takes about like if games i think probably about 10 or 11 o'clock or actually might, might be the day after video goes up for each video you put in whatever pitch you want to see let's say it's caleb smith you put the date in and then it'll show you every pitch and then mm-hmm. you could go pitch by pitch and Which just is, watch it it's insane that they do that it's crazy. Oh, it's amazing. And no, one, so and no one talks awesome. about it. No. Yeah, it's I don't free. Know why. That's how I make any GIF I like put on any of my articles. That's how I make them. I just it's, it's I look at their pictures. And, I just yeah, take people's game. tweets. Like, I'll any, just like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, 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 for instance, like, if I, if I, I don't do a lot of pitcher deep dives because I've said it time and time again, my strength is on the offensive side. I'm really, mm-hmm. I, I feel a lot stronger. I'm mo- like, all my deep dive articles are on hitters. And that's why I tend to find, I, use, I tend to be a better analyst when it comes to the hitter side of things. It's okay. I recognize my strengths. I'm trying to fix my weaknesses. But <laughs> sure. Like, but a big thing is, like, for instance, like if I do a picture and I see, oh, well, I remember Mike or I remember Alex. I, like, I remember you guys, you guys do a lot of gifts, a lot of, like, I'll take your, I'll just take your tweets and put them in my article. So there you go. You get a little extra, you get a little extra something <laughs> from the article. But I do that. Like, I have no problem being, oh, you know, what? I saw that somewhere once. Where did I see that stat? I'll pull up the tweet and just attach it to my article because there's never wrong with, yeah, it goes back works. to just, it just never, well, yeah. Just, there's never anything wrong with going ahead and using someone else's stuff because as long as you're giving them the credit like hey i saw this here this was interesting and it's great for this deep dive but boom here Mm -hmm. take the credit but that's where it's like i use i i I follow i I love what you guys do because you guys help me a lot on the on the pitching side of things because people just are so people are just so afraid to give other people credit like look man people are better at other things than you you gotta get used to it or people point out stuff you aren't it's rare to be first it's rare to be first to any type of statistic these days so just oh, listen, I'm happy with it. I'm a full I'm a full idiot. You know what I mean? I, I I'm well, just like making my way. Yeah, exactly. And like, in listen. The dark. So I, yeah, I we're in the dark. We're just kind of stumbling around. Blindfolded yeah. in the dark. Yeah, that's always fun. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's like I, I I love it when people tweet about other stuff because it helps me. You know, and and it puts you down that rabbit hole. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. There's already <laughs> things that you guys have talked about in this conversation where it's like. Oh yeah, I wonder if I should take a look about that. You know, oh, you that's, will. That's a really good point. And then you're gonna. Yeah. It'll be three hours later. You're like, what the hell did I just do? I was supposed to write this article, yeah. and it's like, <laughs> oh, well, I guess I have to get started on that now. And it, uh, it, yeah, exactly. It, I, it's funny because I have actually like I have like three or four articles queued up, all with like partial writing in them, and none of them <laughs> complete right now. Like they're all just kind of there, and I kind of touch yeah. on each one as I feel like it. It's really definitely. Process. But you mentioned okay, so you mentioned a few guys. Let's kind of get into the the end here we were talking about just players you like coming into 2020 like just throw a few names out there hitters pitchers whatever guys that you just know that you want at their prices at like, for whatever reason yeah sure um i mean i i i already said it. i love mike clevenger i don't really mm-hmm. care what price he's going at i just i've i've always been a clevenger fan i'm always going to be a mike clevenger fan just also because he's like a lunatic you know what i mean like his yeah, the, like the different fonts that he uses in his instagram i'm like what are you doing like what's going on here this is crazy to me um but aside from him uh we, we talked about woodruff who i'm excited about uh lance mccullers i'm excited about oh um he's he's the helium's getting crazy though i actually wrote about I'm him sure. as well i wrote about him as well like real quick in the off season and and i did a real quick article like five names not to forget about basically il stashes or guys coming off the injured il and he's one of the names and it's like every like it's just slowly growing that people are seeing the like the 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 tweets of him throwing again. He's back in the nineties. It's slowly progressing the change up. And then you don't, it doesn't help when you drop a gif of, of like his change up. And then he likes it. <laughs> it's like, it doesn't help. It is, it's frustrating because a lot of the names I like, I realize that it's, I, I'm, it's not like a crazy hip thing. And it's really, it's like, I got to keep digging deeper. So it's like, guys, like I'm just 
starting to hang my hat on some other guys because it's frustrating when the when the industry gets big on these names. You, there's no oh, value. Yeah. The value kind of goes away. And oh, McCullers, yeah. McCullers, Lazardo, those guys are starting to get into that area where it's like oh, Zach Gallon. I'm not gonna have yeah. any shares of him. He's well, gonna be uh, like a top twenty none. pick now. Yeah. Lamet, Denelson Lamet, forget about it. Yeah. And it's like it's yeah. it's, it's frustrating because like you like McCullers, I like McCullers. But mm-hmm. people take that like and they turn it into a place where you'll never get him. Because just because sure. we like him, just because we like him, I want to put some like people need to realize we like him. We think he's gonna be great, but it's likely 120 innings or maybe a little more that you're getting out of him at best. And even at his, even when he was healthy prior to TJ, he barely stayed healthy as it was as well. So yes. There's- so there's there's a few great points there. Um, one the helium that you will experience as a result of being someone who publicizes their thoughts can benefit you because it will open you up to value later on. Yes. Um, which is great. Uh, there, uh, last year, uh, I talked a lot about Jeff Samarja on our podcast. I had a buddy who I didn't realize listened to our podcast <laughs> and jacked up the price of Jeff Samarja in an auction. And that ended up working out great for me. And, you know, to be honest, like, of the, of the five or six guys who are going to get a lot of helium, the McCullers, the Lamette, the Gallons, two of them are going to pan out because last year it was Nick Pavetta. And yeah. two years before that, it was Luis Castillo before he finally put things together. You know what I mean? Right. So like the, some of those, like you said, with the injury, I love Lance McCullers. If I can't get him out of value, that's fine. There's a great chance he could get injured. I obviously don't want to see that because I love watching him pitch. Yeah. But, you know, it's going to happen. Yeah, unfortunately, but but yeah. and right right now you still get them at decent value, but it's it's it goes from it's frustrating because you, obviously our job like as analysts we have to give this information we have to give our thoughts on them and it, it's we're we are our, our own worst enemies so mm-hmm. it is what it is it's it's frustrating because you want to make people the most well informed but when you what when you inform people uh, that's what happens <laughs> like, like it's not a secret yeah, of course anymore. and there's no such thing as should... there's just no no no, no not anymore. Although, Not anymore. although it's like you, when you want a sleeper, you have to go, you have to really look outside the, the ADP. Like I go for guys like my, one of my bigger guys I like for steals. Cause I think steals are actually pretty accessible in drafts. I like Victor. I like Victor Reyes. I think mm-hmm. he's going to be solid. He's batting second in the Detroit lineup. And he, I think is in my, in the minors, he was always a 20 plus steal guy and he hits for a decent average. And he's on a team that has, to, that's going to have to manufacture runs. And I think he's going to have a green light. And just stuff like that. It's like that's where your sleepers these days have to be guys outside the top 300 to be considered sleepers anymore because everybody else is all over all the other guys. And, well, <laughs> listen, the best way to get a guy out of the top 300 is put him on the Tigers. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there you go. It, 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 but it, it, it's funny. It's like no one really – I mean, I don't want to say that. Uh, Jonathan VR was not as discussed as he should have been because he was a Baltimore Oriole. You know what I mean? Oh, I loved uh, him last year. His price was great because he, I, I, I called him like a Mondesi Light last year. Yeah, and he, and he was even better, right? Oh, yeah, <laughs> he was that was playing time, yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. He played 162 games. He played all of them. So it's 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 insane. It's interesting what Miami's because as a Marlins fan, obviously I like that they can make a whole new team off these non-tenders. Go get CJ Crone, move Aguilar to third base. Like go go for it, you know. Like I'm all about mm-hmm. it, but you know they're doing it just so they can flip them midseason. That's the only reason why they're doing this. Yeah, we but you know that. what, dude? I wish the Orioles were doing that. That's true. Instead of like, giving away VR for a few million. Instead of giving away VR, maybe trying to, you know, have your new analytics team turn Bundy around. Like, pay VR the $10 million and flip them for some for any prospect. Like, I wish we were doing that. I would have no problem with taking any of these, like, fringy SPs uh, who want to see if they can turn it around. And, you know, like, like um, what's his name? Taiwan Walker. 
man, if the Orioles could sign Taiwan Walker for a year and see what they could do with him and see if they could flip him at the deadline, I'd be all about that. I just think as a fan, I want to see Marlins get everybody. But I like our young pitching. <laughs> I like our young pitching, and I like what we have. Yeah, I love before. your pitching. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I without mean, a doubt. I mean, yeah, totally. There's great man. pitching there. Oh, yeah, Mike Gary, huge Alcantara guy. Love him, yeah. Well, he's another guy to, to bring back what we talked about before. Guy who's got a great fastball who needs a little bit more work with those breaking pitches, right? Yeah. yeah. So I should like him then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I cut you off on the colors. Is there a few other names that you want to mention? I mean, um, yeah, I think just two, two more quick ones. I think I, I loved what Luke Weaver was doing oh, before yeah. He, yeah. he got injured. Um, you know, that, that, that cutter was, was super big for him. He actually had a better changeup than Chris Paddock last year, which I thought was absolutely crazy by swinging strike rate at least. Um, so I'm, I, I really like what he's going to be able to do there. Um, I know Nick would probably kill me if I didn't bring up Griffin Canning and his oh, upside with that slider him, and how yeah. good he could be. Uh, and then for me, um, I am very curious to see what Mitch Keller is going to turn into. Yes. Uh, yeah. He's got so much upside. It is very exciting. And the fact that there are some changes going on uh, in Pittsburgh right now with yeah. the pitching staff is, is exciting, That's but also terrifying. Trend, yeah. Oh yeah, oh, I yeah. hope so. I hope it's yeah. going to be huge for him in one way or the other, right? right. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm hoping they're like, and I'm sure every Pirates fan will agree. I'm hoping they take a good look inward and see like, well, we gave away Tyler Glasnow, we gave away Garrett Cole, and look what happened. So something's yeah. not working. Uh, <laughs> so I'm hoping that happens because Mitch Keller. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Here's hoping. Mitch Keller's fastball, it, it, it can be great, and his slider and curveball can be fantastic, and the, the sky is the limit for him. Yeah. Mike, uh, Mike, I know you're, those, those, last few, those last few names really resonated with you. You've been the canning guy, the Keller guy too. Again, now look at you two. Yeah. You two are going to, like, when people see, when they see these names coming out from, these guys, from guys like you that all, are all, like, really big on pitching and pitchers in general – you guys are killing me in drafts, man. Like you guys, <laughs> the two of you, seriously, it's frustrating. Now, I do yeah. have a question uh, before we go. Uh, I just Shoot. wanted to, I was curious as to how you were going to attack pitching this year in drafts. Like, are you the type who likes to go early or you like to wait the first three, four rounds before even looking at one? How do you, what do you think you're going to do this year? My personal strategy is always to take like my ace in the first three rounds. I'll use, I, I usually always find myself going great hitter with my first pick and yeah. ace as my second pick okay. and then just forgetting about pitching for a while. Um, to me, it is easier for me to find value later in drafts and both on the wire um, for pitching for right. sure. And it's just, it's just much more difficult to do that for hitting. I mean, obviously there are, there are, you know, examples where that's not the case. Aristides, uh, you know, Kino or Kino, yeah. um, he was great. He's a great waiver wire find. Um, but there are many more tweaks uh, that are much more evident for pitchers. So for me, it's like, just load up on that hitting. You know what I mean? Load up as best as you can. Um, if you are someone who is waiver wire active. That's right. a very important caveat. Yeah. If you know your way around the wire, go hitting really early. If you're someone who likes to treat it like a crock pot and it's set it and forget it, then you can be a little more adventurous with pitchers in the beginning of drafts. Yeah, I like to go hitting early too and then look at the pitchers a little later. But it's all about finding value. Yeah, what do you like to do, Mike? I find myself 
lately skipping the uh, first two rounds. I've, I'm still a believer in Scherzer, so I find myself getting Scherzer late in the second in, early, in like shallower leagues. So I'm okay with that value. But I really love the hitters in those first two rounds because I just – I mean, I should have learned my lessons last year. I did this strategy. I ended up with a lot of Bauer and Thor. So you would think I would have learned my lesson. I'm revisiting that same. I'm revisiting that same. Well, I find myself getting a lot of Lucas Giolito and and Matt and Patrick Corbin in the set, in the third and fourth rounds. Like, am I in a, actually? I'm actually in a NFBC draft champions league right now. So this it actually applies a little more as far as what I did. I actually went hitter hitter. I swung for the fences. I I love Trevor Story this year. He's being mm-hmm. I think he's being undervalued. He followed me at. 13 or 14 wherever i'm picking 14 that's great 14. Wow, yeah. i i have him i have him as seventh overall but like bregman i'm really big on story but and then i was like you know what let's go for the lotto, lottery ticket i took tatis in the second 17th overall i passed over scherzer i believe or i think i pa- oh no actually there was a run on pitching i think bueller actually when i remember there being like five pitchers gone before my 17th overall pick and i was like i'm not reaching on pitcher i'm gonna see maybe snow will fall it didn't happen but i was like i went with tatis jr i'm like let's just go for it so comes back yeah. around, coming back around. I'm like, I got to hit pitcher here. I'm gonna, you know, what? I'm gonna double tap pitcher. I have the four, you know, I have the the those that late late third, early fourth, and sure enough, people don't love Patrick Corbin this year. Corbin fell to me, and I circled around, and grabbed Giolito on the fourth, and I love that start. And I'm gonna be doing that a lot. And I got Woodruff yeah. later on with my SP three, and it's just I love getting three of my top twenty five guys. But I do if I get three of my top twenty five guys, it's because I took two elite hitters at the top and I'm, I'm kind of like how you guys can find value in pitching late. I find I can find value in hitters very late. I feel very comfortable with my evaluations on hitters and valuations of hitters as a whole late in drafts. So it's like, I kind of do that. I kind of play the middle. I'm kind of a little more pitcher heavy in the middle rounds hitters up top and then hitters on the bottom. So it's like kind of the opposite of what you guys do where you take a pitcher first and then wait on pitching later. So it's a give and take. I don't know. I I feel like it worked for me last year. I did all right. I think this is there's no right way. You know what I mean? It's about catering to your strengths and, and it's then all, it's all there's making a right up way. for it on the waiver. Yeah. There's the right way. It's called it's called what makes me the money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah, the right yeah. way, right? But um I think that's gonna do it, man. Alex, it's been great. You came on longer than I anticipated. I'm not arguing. I'm very <laughs> I'm very thankful and yeah, I was I'm great. A, well, I'm a talker, you're a talker, Alex. Mike, not so <laughs> much. Sorry, Mike. Um <laughs> but all in all, man, we do appreciate your time and it doesn't go unnoticed and we are super thankful. So um just remind everybody where they can find you. Uh, if you have any work coming out, go ahead and plug it. And we'll no, out. yeah. Well, first of all, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's uh, I'm always down to to come talk baseball with you guys, and I'm happy we had some you know some free agent signings to talk about. Oh yeah. Uh, but yeah, people can find me on on, on Twitter at at alexfast8. Um, got some stuff in the works, working on like a stolen base piece, and then right after this phone call, probably going to go look up something you guys brought up, which is uh, some Sierra CSW outliers and see what we can learn from that. Uh, so th- thanks for the nice idea. I appreciate it. Have fun for the next three hours. Yeah, And Alex, we might take you up on that again. I'll probably be bothering you in your DMS for a, one more episode before the season, get you on here for some sleepers or something, you know? Great. But, uh, They'll remain open for you for sure. Well, thanks. <laughs> thanks. Until I bother you enough. All right, man. <laughs> really though. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll let you get out of here and we'll wrap it up. All right. Thanks guys. No thanks. problem. Thank you. So that was Alex fast guys. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Alex fast eight. A lot of fun having him on. You can follow us on Twitter. I'm at Mike underscore Curland. Mike is at SP streamer. Bases loaded pod is at bases loaded podcast on Twitter and Instagram. 
Don't forget to follow our other hosts at jmonson is 90 for George, at Brafzee for Zach. I got their names right on the first try. Wow. I have a new article coming out. Um, my SP, my S, my shortstop preview should be out in the next couple of days. Mike, you have anything on the works? We I have an article coming out with uh, pitchers to target after the after pick two hundred. Well, that's not yours. Which is coming from. I was gonna. Well, yeah, but my website with. Well, Will, I was gonna plug Will. that. People, oh, okay. For, for people that don't know, um, SP Streamer here, Mike has a, has an actual website that he runs. It's spstreamer.com, I guess. Or yep. okay, I don't I, I didn't know the .com, but it's spstreamer.com, and he has people writing for him now. And a good guy that follows us all, we 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 interact with him a lot on Twitter. It's Will. I hate to say his last name wrong, but we're gonna butcher it. Yeah, I didn't even try. That's why. <laughs> um, let me say. It. Let me let me try my best here because he's actually asked us Twitter questions. We've. We've answered He's him. awesome. I've yeah, been he's... asking him to write for me for a long time. <laughs> His name is Will Garofalo. And he actually and he, and, he, and he has a Jose Fernandez backdrop on his Twitter page. So I like him. <laughs> he's a good dude, man. We interact a ton on Twitter and he's writing for you now. So he's like almost like a pseudo part of our team because we have to we gotta figure this out this website thing out, man. I, I we need to come together on that. Anyway, that's a whole <laughs> yeah, other discussion. So, anyway, so he's dropping that. Uh, well, I'm dropping that um on thursday it'll be his article and then next week i have a myetta sleeper piece he's coming out with another piece next week also will and then i am working on um a piece of uh on woba and ex woba with pitchers well there you go so expect a lot of work i mean i'm i'm gonna try to get a deep dive out on hoskins because people really want to know about him he's a hot topic so i'm working on that it's just been so busy between the podcast and the writing and i'm really gonna try that i'm gonna try to get it out next week as well but that's a little bit what's going on behind the scenes this podcast is running long so if you're still here we thank you as always and we will talk to you soon